Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, this is Judy Sedgman, and welcome back to another in the series of podcasts called Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm here with my wonderful friend and colleague, Christine Heath. Yes, Christine is really here. And, <laughs> and Chris wants to share with you what our plans are for Psychology Has It Backwards, the program, which is a group that we do twice a week. Um, so we're going to explain that at the beginning and then get into the subject of our podcast, which this week is going to be why people do things they don't really want to do. You know, we started out um, doing the what we call Psychology Has It Backwards, the program, which was to work with people more, individual, and more individually um, to help them with whatever, uh, whatever it is. Like some people are coaches or therapists and they want to learn how to kind of come from a different um, space in life. And some people are just people that have had therapy or want to learn more about this and want to be healthier. So there's a lot of different reasons that people sign up for the group. So, but it's much, much more personal. It's a small group. We limit it to 25 people, although most of the time we have about 15 to 20 people there. Um, and this is the end of our first 10 weeks. We initially sold it as a uh, group of 10 sessions and then discovered there were a lot of people that wanted to kind of come and go. So we've decided to continue it and you can sign up for one week or you can sign up for 10 weeks. Um, it's up to you what you want to do. And uh, you can sign up for either, either day. One is on Wednesday at um, uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time. And the other one is at uh, 4 o'clock Pacific time. Yeah, is that right? You're at seven, yeah. Seven East Coast time and um, time on Thursday. Yeah, on Thursday and two o'clock on Wednesdays. So you can go to our website, which is psychologyhasitbackwards.com, and click on the program and you can sign up. Now, if there's for some reason, we have it very inexpensively um, uh, charged, by the way. And if that's a, a burden to you, we're able to work out some um, programs for people, uh, especially students um, that might be interested in this, but also people that need some um, help. We're happy to work with you. So don't hesitate to ask us and we'll um, try to help you in any way we can. That's really our job is to, to really help you to see how to find that feeling of well-being and happiness for yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, we weren't going to continue this program. We we're going to take a little break, but we're, we're actually enjoying it so much. And people are sending us these lovely notes and they seem to like it too. And we thought, why stop? <laughs> you know, it's fun and we're having a good time and everybody seems to be getting something out of it. So we're going to keep going for a while. Yeah, there's, there's one, one person who um, has been kind of agoraphobic and uh, went out walking for four hours in the in the mountains for the first time in 25 years. Yeah, and so it, it, I mean, there are just really great changes happening for people, and 
Uh, it's lots of fun. And if you'd like to join us, please do. So on to the topic. Um, I think, I don't think there's a person in the world that looking back over their life, unless they're like so little, they haven't had enough time to make a mistake, you know, that, that doesn't remember something they did. And they're thinking, why, why did I do that? You know, that you hurt somebody's feelings or you yelled at a stranger or you, you know, whatever. Uh, it could be something more violent than that. But all of us have done things that we, when we look back on them with some perspective, we think, I, I didn't want, I, I, that's not who I am. I didn't want to do that. And I started noticing that a lot when I started working quite often with, with women who were in abusive relationships because time after time, in explaining why they were hanging in there in the relationship, they would say, well, you know, when he's not abusive, he's just really a nice guy. Or he's a good dad. He really loves our kids. And I don't know what sets him off, but, you know, he has these times. And I, and I was thinking to myself, that it kind of is, is, the, is, the, is the mystery that is solved if you understand the principles that people whose whose state of mind deteriorates or easily triggered into a deteriorated state of mind or easily set off or are, are very insecure lash out sometimes with it before they even realize what they're doing and when they're feeling more secure and and more comfortable in their own skin uh they're they're themselves, you know, they're, they're just a person who loves their kids and probably wonders why, why was I so mad at my wife? She's really a nice person. And, and the people who live with them can see that and, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to sidestep it. They don't know how to, uh, they don't know what sets it off and they don't know how to bring an end to it. So what happens is you get a cycle of insecurity where the person is, is uh, upset and insecure and starting to get really, you know, you can feel it building and everybody around them gets scared and they yell at them or they do something that makes it even more insecure and the situation gets out of control and that's what happens. Um, so I, it occurred to me that we should talk about that. I think that's really good because uh, there's two things that I see with people. Either they have no clue that what they're doing is scaring people or hurting people or um, is inappropriate to do because they're so used to it. Like they grew up in an environment where that was like really socially acceptable um, and they're clueless about it. They really have no idea or they really um, get caught up in their own insecurity and they're so thinking about themselves that they're not thinking about other people. So, you know, I think part of it is that people don't really recognize that and they also don't recognize this, the, the way that a state of mind impacts their interactions with people. So, you know, like I, I, we had a program and maybe we can get Louis to come on our podcast. I just thought of this, but Louis did a domestic violence program and we're, we're setting up another program actually at our clinic and he's going to do some videos for us so that we can have uh, some of the local guys listen to it. But I remember that he, um, we would get people that were referred from the courts because they were being abusive in some way to their family member, mostly their wives and, um, 
or they sometimes would just come in with real, like road rage incidences and, you know, things like that where they'd get out of control of their anger. And, um, uh, it, it's really funny because Louis would have, um, uh, one of the classes that he, he did these groups, right, for men, each, each class had a different topic. And the topic that got the most attendance was how to fix your wife. <laughs> and, of course, what would happen is he'd, he'd, he'd have them come in and he'd say, well, there's nothing wrong with your wife. It's how you see her that makes her look like it's her fault that you're upset. <laughs> but of course they'd be all there you know with their hands rubbed going like yeah, yeah tell me how to fix my wife so I could be happy <laughs> and 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 they always would come everybody showed up for that class every time <laughs> that's really great it's really the illusion that our thought creates that has us in a reactive mode so we do things to people that we love, that we really don't want to do. Then after we do them, this is what they call the, in the domestic violence world, is what they call the hearts and flowers stage. Because afterwards, you kind of come back down from this reaction that you're in. And you're like, oh my God, she's going to leave me now because I did that. So I better act nice. So then all of a sudden, they're really sweet and nice. And they're the way that the person really wants them to be, right? Suddenly, they're, they're that person again. But they don't really see that their reaction was coming from them. So they act nice so that the woman doesn't leave them because it's all about her and how she makes them feel. And it, it seems to them like that control is. So whether it's like that or you're in business and you've got an, you know, um, a, a boss that maybe you don't like, so you start giving her lip and you're, or you talk to her or him like he's an idiot. And, uh, and then you get in trouble and you're like, who, me, what, what are you talking about? I, I didn't, I don't do that. Yeah. So it's like frequently, <laughs> yeah. Frequently when we're interacting, we're so caught up in our own thinking that we don't see how we're coming across to people. Yeah. That's really true. I had a, this is kind of a sad case, but I recently was working with a woman who actually was so afraid of her husband when he would get into these rages, although he was very nice to her when he wasn't in a rage. And his his son adored him. And they had a six-year-old son that just adored his father. And she didn't really want to break that up. But she said, you know, I feel like I just have to leave. I just can't. It's too dangerous. You know, it, it, it's uh, he could kill us. And he had guns and he had, you know, he was a big, powerful guy. And uh, so she started talking to him about that she was going to leave him. Well, he uh, was also a person who was prone to drink from time to time. And uh, he got drunk one night and was driving on a curved road, lost control of his car, flew off the road. He was going so fast the car was airborne and it landed on the roof of a fire station, a one-story fire Mm -hmm. station. It completely went through the roof. And he was paralyzed. He broke his neck, among other things. He had a tremendous number of injuries. So, of course, they called her, and he was in the hospital, and and he wasn't expected to make it, but he made it through the, the crisis stage. But he was now paralyzed, completely paralyzed, and he had a tracheotomy where so he could talk. He could sort of make sounds, but it wasn't it was hard for him to talk. And she stayed by his side in that hospital and cared for him and helped the nurses and, and you know, rubbed his feet and, and rubbed his head and, 
you know, just was so good to him because, uh, you know, she felt so sad for him that that had happened. And he, sadly, he did die. But before he died, uh, he was, he was, he was there for maybe three weeks or four weeks. And she was with him all the time. And before he died, he apologized to her. He saw, he saw what he had done. He it, no, he'd never talked to me or anything. She's the only one that really kind of knew the dynamic, but he saw it in that state that he had found himself in. And he told her how much he loved her and appreciated her and that he hoped that she would care for their son and remember him kindly. And he knew he was not going to make it. And, and she called me up and she said, you know, I know this is really weird, but those were some of the most beautiful times that we've ever had together because it was genuine and from the heart. And that I knew deep down that that's who he always really was. You know, and it made me sad that it had to end that way. But on the other hand, it was kind of a, a nice thing that if he was going to die in an accident like that, that he lived long enough to to bring some peace to his wife yeah. and, and give her a story that she could tell her son. You know, yeah. your father was a good man. He really loved us. And, mm-hmm. and but, she, you know, it shouldn't be that way. It should, and I feel that, that if, if more and more people understood the nature of thought and how we can get so worked up, and all of us, all of us have done it, all of us have done it in some way or another. And then you, and you, and when you realize what you've done, sometimes you're just so embarrassed or disgusted or discouraged, you have to either blame the other person or try to pretend it didn't happen or make an excuse for it rather than seeing that that's what happens to human beings when they get really insecure. Yeah, it's, it's funny because when you get reactive to life, you know, like people do this all the time. I mean, there, there are some people that never react. I mean, there are people that never react. But um, to me, when you're in a stressed out state of mind, you, life looks hard. It looks like things don't work out. It looks like, you know, like sometimes my dogs will get me, you know, like I'll be like trying to get them outside or I'm in a hurry or something and they rain, especially when I get in a hurry, he slows down and gets very stubborn. <laughs> and, and, and I get out of here right now. And I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, whereas before I used to kind of think that was a normal, natural place to, to live. And um, it seemed like the outside world was causing that reaction. In my family, people were pretty harsh. We could express anger quite well. The more positive feelings, not so much. You know, and so I just didn't, I just didn't see that there was something missing in terms of how not to be harsh with people. But I actually didn't think I was harsh with them because I thought I was easy on them given how I was to myself, yeah. right? It's like it's all relative to what you get. So what people do is they tend to think that they are the way they are because of their upbringing, like especially when it comes to being violent or being abusive. Right. It's like it, it's what people carry through time is a distortion. Mm-hmm. And then they're reacting to their current life through the lens of that distortion. Right. And they see it over and over again. So people will say, I don't know. You know, like I had one guy who was on his third marriage and he goes, I don't know why women are like this, but they're all like this. <laughs> I said, well, 
actually they're all different because you just told me how different your three wives were. Yeah. And yet the thing that's the same is what? Uh, you, you're the same. Yeah. yeah the common denominator. denominator there. <laughs> so it's like, that's what you got to be looking at. It's like that we get so caught in the illusion that it looks like we got to like fix our spouse or fix our wife or in order to be happy. Cause it looks like the negativity we feel is coming from them. Right. You made me happy and now I'm not happy. So you must be making me unhappy. And so people get caught in that in relationships or they get caught in expectations. They get caught in um, ways of like for me, when I, I was one time, I don't think she'll mind if I tell this story, but the psychologist that worked for us, we were writing a grant and she had to write some section of it and she just wasn't getting it done. And I said to her, I said, uh, what can I have this? What, what is the problem that you're having in writing this? And he, she, she looked at me, she says, that's the problem. I said, what? She said, you think because I have a PhD and you have a master's degree that I'm smarter than you. And therefore, I can write it more easily than you can. But this is easy for you to do. It's not easy for me to do. I don't know how to do it. And I was like, wow, right between the eyes. It was so true. Is yeah. that I had an attitude about her because... Mm-hmm. I thought she knew how to do it. She's lazy or she didn't want to do it or she's opposition. Right. You know, what, what good psychological term that I threw in there. But it wasn't her at all. It was me. Is that I really wasn't listening to the fact that she was insecure about that and didn't know how. And because it was easy for me, I thought, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, people get, we get caught up in our own thinking and we get busy or we get tired or we get, you know, upset about something else, you know, like if people have their, you know, spouse dying at home, they come to work, they're a little bit more reactive or whatever. If you remember that about other people, that their bad behavior isn't about you, then you can kind of emotionally step back from that. It's not like you're, you're getting slapped in the face. It's like, whoa, that person's malfunctioning. And you know that there's something going on with them not with you. So that helps you to not take it so personally and kind of get into what's wrong with me. Why can't I make my husband happy? Why can't I make my boss happy? Like, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? Cause then the more you focus on that, the more you get stuck in that and you start thinking that there's something wrong with you. Right. So that's kind of how that we, they call learned helplessness is that you buy into the negative thinking about yourself. And is seeing that people malfunction. Lots of people malfunction a lot in the level of consciousness of our world is not very high. So I mean, right now we have people angry all the time, telling each other off, blah, blah, blah. It's like awful because they feel like entitled to do that. Like I feel this, I think this, so I'm going to tell you about it. We need to see that kindness is really the feeling we want to come from whether it's with your child or your spouse or whoever. Mm-hmm. And, and kindness is, is baked into the cake as soon as you give yourself a little space and back off and calm down. But the worst part about anger and rage and all of these emotions that get us stirred up to the point where we do hurtful things is that at the time, people feel very righteous you know, if you don't understand how your thinking is building up a head of steam in your head and how that's working and that really what you need to do is take a break 
and, and just, you know, step aside, um, then you can, you, you're lost, you know, you get caught up in it before you even can stop yourself. And, and at the same token, I always tell the women that are abused, you know, why you can always, you tell, everyone says, I can see it coming. I can feel it coming. I can see when he's getting that way. But then they start crying and saying, don't hurt me. Why are you picking on me? I do everything for you. I'm trying so hard. What's wrong with me? And that just makes it worse. You know, because then they get emotional and frightened. And it's almost like, you know, if you have a uh, an angry dog, you don't want to show fear and fright because it just makes the dog more insecure. You know, you want to just take it slow. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't keep themselves safe and they shouldn't leave the house or they shouldn't keep their children safe. But they can skip the step where they yell and scream <clears throat> and, and, and aggravate the person further. And I, I feel that sometimes uh, we don't, people do things they don't want to do because they don't know how to sidestep their own fearful, negative feelings. They don't know that it's coming from them. And so they get angry at the thing they think it's coming from, whatever it might be. And that's actually how the past works, right? The past is just memory. So if you're abused as a child, that that memory kind of gets on your eyeballs and you recreate whatever it was with the person you're living with now. So it really, it, that's how the generations pass it down to, from one generation to the other. It gets in our thinking. And so when you don't see that that's what's causing your reaction, it looks like the child or the spouse or the boss is making you feel that way. And so you then have a right to react and, you know, put the other person up. Now, there are, there are people that are kind of psychopathic, you know, that, that, that think in ways that are very about power and having control over people, that that's their best shot at trying to be happy is that, you know, having that sense of control over another human being. So this is by degree. I don't want anybody to listen to this and say, well, yeah, but Chris, but you know, it, it's, it, it, in general, we all do things that we wish we hadn't done or wish we hadn't. And to be more graceful in life, to not have as many regrets over what you say and do, the more you can really, understand and see how thought works in you and live in a healthier state of mind, you don't have to worry about yourself then. You don't have to monitor yourself then. Because you know you'll come from love. And that's the the ultimate answer is, you know, as soon as you find your heart, you know, find that moment of just quiet and you and you realize, oh wait, it's just me. I'm just getting upset, you know, getting myself all worked up with my thinking. You're fine. So all we need is a little understanding in the world and uh, a lot of a lot of mistakes would not be made. Let's put it that way. And and what you said before is true. It's like you gotta get your ego out of the way. Right. You gotta be willing to take a look at yourself without judgment. So it goes both ways, is that you just take a look at yourself and you start to become the person you wanna be rather than try to fix the person that you've been. Right. Exactly. Well, we hope this is helpful and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. And please remember, if you want to join the group, visit our pod, Psychology Has It Backwards website, psychologyhasitbackwards.com and feel free to sign up. Aloha. Aloha. 
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 